Hello and welcome to the Danalysis Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host Dan and I'm joined as always by co-host Natalie. Hi Natalie. Hiya. Uh, today we're going to be reviewing the events of a goals-rich game week five and looking at all the new narratives to have emerged. Before we get into that, if you like what you hear and what we do, you can find and follow us on Twitter at The Denalysis, where we'd be happy to chat all things FPL. And rating us five stars on iTunes is a, gr- is a great way. <laughs> I was going to say brilliant. Uh, is a, <laughs> we, is a fantastic grill. way. There yeah, will yeah. be grilling <laughs> So yeah, rating us on iTunes five stars is a fantastic way to show your gratitude. And it helps us be discovered by more, more FPL fans, essentially. Um, so let's kick right off with the real headliner of the weekend, and it's none other than Eden Hazard. Three goals, three bonus points, and a manager saying that he could be the best in the world with the ability to score 35 plus goals a season. Oh, I read that that was, no, I read it was 30, 40 goals a game. N- right, okay, that would be <laughs> excessive. Oh, I mean, I know you play on the whole, oh, I'm a woman, I don't know football thing. That's taken it a bit far, right? I've clearly just had a problem with reading for the last, like, 24 hours. Um, I'll tell you another one in a few minutes that I also read incorrectly. But yeah, no, I think I read the, the, the Hazard shots thing and I was like, oh, wow, 30 goals a game. Yeah, that'd be sick. <laughs> that, that wouldn't be bad, would it? You, you wouldn't need a team. you just pick him. Yeah. And that captain him every week and it'd be brilliant. He had a brilliant game. Uh, I guess the question lots and lots of people are asking, well, there's two questions, really. One of them is, is this just going to be classic Hazard where, you know, you've been burned before by him. He starts out brilliantly, everyone gets him in and then he blanks for like four or five weeks in a row. And I think the the comments from Sari go some way to dispel that. Also, if you look at other things he said, so he mentioned recently that Hazard actually plays too deep on the pitch. He spends too much time in the middle of the field picking up the ball and trying to affect it from there. Whereas he just wants him to stay forward and attack and score goals. So from an FPL sense, that is brilliant. But the big question besides that is, do you drop Salah if you have him? Um, I think because unless you wildcard, I think the only way to get Hazard in really, like if you have kind of a template-ish team, the only way to get him in is by taking Salah out. That's yeah. definitely the easiest and quickest way. Yeah. And that that is a hard decision to make because, I, I mean, if you were listening a few, what, two, three weeks ago uh, to the podcast, that was when I had the revelation. I'd kind of seen Hazard play and look really, really good, even from the bench on two occasions. And I was like, okay, I'm wildcarding. I just need to get this guy in. And wildcard is the only way I could do it. So that was that was the only reason I actually played the wildcard was because I wanted to get in ahead of ahead of time with Hazard. And it paid off handsomely. But the reason I actually did that was because his next three games were Bournemouth, Cardiff and West Ham. Mm. And now we're at the end of that three game spell with just West Ham left. It feels sort of like you're getting in maybe a little bit too late because they face Liverpool after that. It is at home. By it is Liverpool. Mm. Um, I think Chelsea's fixtures do remain quite good. They've got Southampton after that. Uh, yeah, Southampton after that. Although that is away from home, but it's a it's a good fixture, nevertheless. Uh, and after that, they play Man United. So, if it's a question of Salah or Hazard, where do you fall on that? 
Well, I've got both, so I don't need to worry about these. But hypothetically... I don't need to worry about these muggles who don't. No, exactly. (laughs) This is why it's so hard, isn't it? Because I was trying to think about this earlier, and I was like, the whole... The whole plan for me was like, I have to wildcard because I don't want to get rid of Salah. But I know a lot of people out there would have wildcarded before Hazard became a big sort of must-have sort of guy. And some may still have Salah and want to keep him. So I actually think this is such a dice roll, such a 50-50, whether you, you drop Salah for him or not. I think actually I probably would. And if I could afford it, I'd have Mane alongside. Yeah. Like, I'd do two transfers. I wouldn't just do the straight swap Hmm. and leave the rest of my team as it was. I'd try and get, like, two. Or so I'd go for Hazard and Mane or Hazard and David Silva. So, yeah, that that is kind of a decent point, I think. Like, Man City also have great fixtures, and we'll talk a little bit about them later, but... There are other options. There are plenty of midfield options, as we've seen this weekend. It is such a, a high-scoring weekend in general. Uh, and lots of well-priced players performing. The issue with Hazard is, or, or Chelsea in general, is I don't think you can cover Hazard with Pedro. If I was without Hazard, considering the Champions League as well, the impact that may have on Salah, I probably would consider doing it. And his price has just got to keep going up and up and up. Yeah. So he's already 10.8, isn't he? Like, it's true. It's point, point 0.3 in like a, a week and a half. So it feels like a, a good time. The one thing I would say, though, is there's this sort of semantics of like what is form going on in a lot of the online discussion where some people I've seen are, are saying sort of Salah is in bad form because he isn't scoring goals, which... I kind of take the point, like, you do need to score goals. That is the job of guys like Salah, is the job of guys like Hazard. But it's quite a strange one to to point out because I think the way that I judge form tends tends to be how well someone is actually playing. Yeah. Like, are they getting lots of chances? Are they still creating chances? If yeah. you look at the goals that Hazard scored, one of them was absolutely brilliant. The other two, I think the the second one was kind of brilliant, but a very lucky finish where it sort of deflected off. It was Sol Bamber, I think, the mm. guy who scored for Cardiff. A little bit of luck in that. They sort of wrong fit the keeper. And then the third was a penalty. Yeah. Are you going to get that sort of return from, from Hazard every week? I don't know. Maybe. He does look really good, but those weren't like the most amazing goals. There was a bit of luck to the second and third in how they came about. Like, form for footballers and then form for FPL are two completely different things. So whilst Salah isn't necessarily in bad form the way he's playing the actual football, to anyone playing FPL he is because he's just not doing the points. That's what most people actually are bothered by. Yeah, I I totally understand that. And I think that is... the, The problem I have with it is it's a gross oversimplification of how you get points in yeah. in Fantasy League. Because the issue that I take with that is, and I've said this a million times, like we're not trying to get last week's points. We're trying to get next week's points yeah. and the week after and the week after. And all the people making jokes about Salah's XG and his XA and, and, and stuff like this, it's, it's so moot because in that game, he could have scored goals. He didn't. But it's not like he's not getting chances and he comes up against Southampton next, 
which is a very good fixture for a team like Liverpool. The only question is maybe the the Champions League stuff. But yeah, I I think that's a very hard decision to make. If I was gonna gonna offer any suggestion, it would be to try however you can to get both. Like I've got both, and it means I've got one four point five uh, striker who never plays. And I've got one 4.3 now midfielder. Yeah, I don't know, like, what, how, why. Because I've still got, like, a fully functioning squad with both Salah and Hazard. So I, I don't really know what you've been doing over there. It's, it's because I have quite an expensive defence, I think. And we'll look at our teams later, but... Okay. And Alonso, sweet two-pointer. What a legend. Very pleased. I've been waiting for that. <laughs> So from one midfield dynamo to another... Can I just... Sorry, I'd like to just point out, we've changed the format of the podcast. Oh, okay. If this is your first time listening, you'd be none the wiser. Anyone who's listened to any episode prior to now... Hiya, this is new. Let's continue. Thank you for interrupting <laughs> my segue. That's okay. <laughs> it's okay, I'll forgive you. Um, so little 5.7 Fraser, he, he broke as many hearts as he enriched with his two goals and one assist against a very questionably slow Leicester defence. But he had a really good game, didn't he? And he started the season so well. I've got to bring it back for a third or fourth time. He said at the start of the season he wanted to score 10 goals this year. What's he got? Three, four already? He's got three already. So this is the problem, is that he's only got seven left to get. Yeah, so when he does that, he's just got to stop. Yeah. That's it. So, oh, like, no. When is he going to do that? Is he going to do it now? So do we need him now? Or is he going to just wait until, like, February and do it then? Like, what's his situation? I think he's going to fulfil the Hazard prophecy, right. where he's got to do... Or, or he's got to come closest to it, where, you know, like, 30 goals a game, he's just got to get seven in one game. And you oh, have to own him for that one this, week. So this was my thing. So because I just wasn't reading and I was looking at the picture... Yeah. The FPL on Twitter did 18 of the 29 goals scored uh, so far in game week five were by FPL midfielders. But there's just a picture of Ryan Fraser. And then I just was like, obviously this says 18 of the 29 goals this game week were scored by Ryan Fraser. And I wasn't even <laughs> phased. Like, I was just like, yeah. But he was, he was very good in this game. And also Josh King also got 11 points. It was Callum Wilson, the uh, sort of game week one popular guy who walked away with only four, I think. He he looks brilliant, but I guess you should view this certain fixture with, uh, I don't know, a little bit of caution, purely because Leicester's defence is so bad. So, so bad. Like uh, Wes Morgan and Harry Maguire getting caught so high up the field on so many occasions, to the point where all Bournemouth really had to do was just pass it to a midfielder and then lob it forward, and Fraser was in so much space. I, w- I will say, brilliant finishes, but that's, I think it's three goals from four shots on target, and that's a ridiculously high conversion rate mm. for any player. Uh, Mane is another player who has a really high conversion rate at the moment. It, it was 40% before the start of this weekend, will be a bit lower now. But that's always a worry with uh, players who aren't taking a lot of shots, but scoring a lot of goals. It, I mean, Ducore was another example last year. He scored, I think, with his first four or five shots on target. Yeah. Or, or shots in general. He hadn't yeah. put a shot off target. And he did actually go on to have a really good season. Uh, especially in that sort of price range. So, 
I guess I guess there is definitely value there. He's only five point seven. He has risen uh, recently, and he'll probably rise again at some point this week. But there's cer- certainly an option there. I think a lot of people are saying his fixtures are good. I'm not sure I necessarily agree with that because they face they face Burnley next away from home. That's probably the thing that that would have me questioning that one. I mean, Burnley were poor in their their most recent game. There's Burnley next away from home, then Crystal Palace at home, and then Watford away, and then Southampton at home. They're kind of similarly placed teams, I guess. It's it's kind of hard to say like whether they'll they'll be really good, but they have just been going from strength to strength. So if you're looking for a I guess one of the very obvious transfers that a lot of people are doing is Mikatarian to uh to Fraser with that do you think that's the sort of transfer you should definitely be making or do you think you should be more cautious I mean it's one I definitely should have made last week no I feel that and the one thing I did want to touch on was uh so Leicester obviously got battered and uh someone posted on on Reddit uh if you're thinking about getting rid of Leicester defenders because of the goals we're letting in fair enough (laughs) but wait until next week as Morgan is suspended so we might actually keep a clean sheet and yeah, I want to talk about Morgan a second because did you see did you see him lunging at like four or five different players just looking like the slowest old lump in the history of time. They play Huddersfield next Leicester and I have Pereira which is why I'm mentioning this because I was very very keen to get rid of him and then I thought wait maybe one the one week I could keep him give him the one extra week against a team like Huddersfield who don't score a lot with the promise that Morgan isn't going to be playing, so hopefully their backline will be a little bit faster. It could be Johnny Evans, or it could be their their big money signing uh, Soyuncu, who's a a Turkish guy who Arsenal and a few other clubs were linked with as well. I'm hopeful. I don't know if I'm just deluding myself, but yeah, without Morgan in that team, they they should have a bit more pace. And Bournemouth exploited it fantastically. I don't think every week is going to be like that for them. Um, but yeah, that front three look pretty impressive for the moment. Uh, yeah, we could talk about Madison, yeah. Everyone on the internet was really mad about Madison last week, and I was like, y'all need to calm down. But I kept him in my team because I thought, well, why not? And here he is, penalty taking Madison at 6.6 million, two bonus points, one bonus point, at least a bonus point. I'm happy. He has been a sort of really good performer in that team. It's just his goals and his assists have been quite lucky so far. Like I don't mind. Like that's the thing. Well, exactly. It's it's kind of one of those things. And at six point six, that's such a good price for a, a a main sort of attacking midfielder in a fairly. I mean, I thought Leicester were a fairly attacking team, but I think it changes from game to game depending on either who they're playing or like how up for it they are. Yeah. He, he puts. Uh, he put Vardy through on goal a few times. Also, Gazal did the same thing. He's at 5.3. Mm. He had a pretty decent game, but only played just over 60 minutes. Yeah. Uh, Madison is, is the key creator in that team. And he is, at that price, kind of just a very, very safe, good option. He's going to play every game. Mm-hmm. And he will come up with goals and assists. I just don't know if it's going to be every game. It's going to yeah. be the sort of returns you expect from a player priced at that price you know he takes so many set pieces as well there's always a chance he scores a free kick or he gets an assist from a corner um and that's kind of what you do with fantasy league you're trying to play the percentages he's definitely one of the top options in that bracket 
Aguero and Mendy, those guys. <laughs> yes, Aguero is fine. Um, I can't remember where he knocked, but he knocked something. But I read that he could be okay for whenever the Champions League game is. Yeah. But I'm hoping he won't be so that he can just play at the weekend and that'll be a nice time. Yeah, uh, this is very much one of those where you just have to wait until the end of the week, really. Because I I don't think anyone should be getting rid of Aguero immediately because there's there's no one else that's rising in price so drastically up front that you need to... He's absolutely fine. He's definitely going to play again this week. It's just a matter of when. The Mendy one was a little bit more circumspect because the comments from Pep were very weird. It was like, it could be weeks, it could be days, it could be months. I just saw... And it was like, what? (laughs) I just saw that... We don't know how many days he'll be out for yet. Yeah. And I thought, well, if it was serious, he'd be like, we don't know how many weeks he'll be out for yet. Yeah. We don't know how many games he'll miss. Well, this is a problem. We don't even know what the injury is yet. So It's a knee injury. Oh, right. Okay. Did I read it. Just, just a knee injury or is it a specific type? I don't know. I huh. don't know. On, um, on the FPL site, it just says knee injury. Yeah. Uh, the thing about Mendy and the the one, uh, the one thing I'd really advise caution caution with, is getting rid of him is gonna screw you over if you've had him since day one or since yeah. the second week because he's already gone up to six point four, and if you get rid of him, yeah, you get six point two. He's six point five. Oh, is he six point five now? Yeah. So you'll get six point two back. So if you bought him at six million, you can let him go down to 6.4 before you have to start worrying yeah this is the thing like we we have no reason to be that worried that he's going to be out for anything more than potentially one game week until we hear more news and he's there's no way he's got to drop enough for it to be a justifiable transfer out um unless you just don't want him back at all which judging by his performances i would say is pretty crazy yeah aguero kind of similarly i mean he got two assists when he was injured (laughs) Um, okay, so should we look at Man City's midfield, which is where all, all of the excitement is, really? Yeah, um, I think David Silva is actually um, a very, very viable option, and I'm quite annoyed that you've had him for however hmm. many weeks you've had him for, and you were into this, and I was like, yeah, okay, whatever, Dan. And then he and, scored a goal, yeah. <laughs> and he gets... So this is the, the thing I said when um, De Bruyne got injured, is that... He's got to be such a key figure for for City when De Bruyne is out injured because he's the one sort of senior creator figure that they have there. If you look at the rest of their team, they're they're really young. Besides Aguero, it's you know Jesus, Sane, uh, Bernardo Silva, um, uh, Sterling. They're all in their early twenties, and and besides that, you have like Fernandinho and Gundogan who just are, are, are they're more sort of deeper players. So you kind of need David Silva to be in the team, to be that creator. And he is one of those players that every time he does play, he creates so many chances. He's not like a Salah where he'll give the ball away a lot. He He's very, very good with his passing, with his passing accuracy and just his ability to, to spot the pass and to create a lot of chances. So that feeds really well into the bonus points to the point where he scored a goal, just one goal, no assist, and he got the three bonus points this week. So... I think he at 8.5 now, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he is 
brilliantly priced for a Man City asset who looks to be nailed on. I guess the problem is Champions League is always going to have to be a consideration with Man City. We know that Pep likes to rotate. We know that David Silva is 33, so he even hinted before the season started that David Silva would be having his minutes managed. But I just get the impression that he's one of those few players that Guardiola knows he can really trust to always get. He's always got to get the best out of him because he's a good professional. He's a a good, hardworking player. Uh, The others are quite young. And with the young players, you get inconsistency, despite them being like the absolute elite level of inconsistency. Uh, the, The main reason I have him is because there's no way I could get Sterling at 11 million, who is the, I think, the second best option. And only the second best because he's the same price almost as Hazard and in a similar price range to Sterling, uh, to Salah. Sorry. Um, Bernardo Silva, comparatively, 7.5, but he seems the kind of player who he's a little bit whack with his finishing. He creates a lot of chances, but not quite as many as David Silva. And it seems like they got his price about right in that sense. Uh, he seems to drop to the bench as well. I just don't think there's anyone else that is a justifiable pick until De Bruyne comes back, really. Do you uh, have any love for Sane? Yeah. Is the Champions League the reason why Sane was back in the starting lineup? Oh, I think it was primarily because of Mendy. Although it's quite hard to get the truth behind this because you'll have Pep saying one thing and then Pep saying another thing. And there was a lot of this drama about uh, Sane sort of being in trouble at Man City. And there's... That, that same drama is coming out about Mendy as well. Lots of speculation. And I kind of don't like the speculation because I don't think it's very helpful. Um, but yeah, I get the impression that Sane and Mendy in the same team doesn't really work that much. Like, you can do it, but they're both players that like to stay very, very wide. And with them both wanting to stay wide, you have a kind of problem of neither of them are really got to go central. So you're not going to get the best out of that left-hand side. Right. Whereas if you have... Uh, so Sane played on the left, but Delph would would drop a bit more central because he's more of a midfield sort of player. So mm-hmm. those two playing together, it works because Delph can come and support centrally and Sane can get right out wise. Although his positional play was mental because he was, he was on the right-hand side for his goal, wasn't he? And he was kind of all over the place in the end. Uh, how much is he now? 9.4? 9.2. 9.2? 9. Yeah. So he started at 9.5 and, and he's dropped yeah. all that way. I think 9.2 is quite a nice price for him. If there's ever a point where Sane is on good form and is starting regularly, yeah. I think 9.2 is a really good price for him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess that's, for me, the reason I'd only look at David Silver and Sterling is because, to my mind, those two are the ones that will probably start every game. Yeah. Um, and I'd just be a little bit worried with Sane. And at 9.2, that's a lot of money to spend at this point. Like, maybe in three weeks' time, we'll see he's starting every game and we'll think, oh, no, Sane is a good good option. Yeah. But it's too early to make that sort of call on that that much money because we've already done that with, uh, with another player who we'll come on to next. Uh, I just wanted to give a quick shout-out to Laporte as well. He's played 90 minutes. <laughs> And I think the last five fixtures. Oh. And I've transferred him in this week because... What? Oh, for Van Aanholt. Yeah, and I really wanted to downgrade Van Aanholt. But I saw that City were playing Cardiff. 
And I was like, that seems like about as guaranteed a clean sheet for City as there could possibly be, right? I've got this next section titled Benched Without the Boost. And that's, uh, you got it. It's Mkhitaryan. It's a, it's a hard time with him right now. The worst. So, the very worst of times. So I want to preface this with Arsenal. Um, we don't really know what to expect of Emery yet. I, I think with Arsenal... So with Arsene, we always sort of knew what he was going to do with his team. Like, he was quite predictable uh, because he'd managed Arsenal for so long. You know, the substitutions would always come at the same time. You basically knew what his lineup was going to be. Yeah. And it was only that last period where he was actually trying to win the Europa League that it became a little bit more unpredictable. Uh, but with Mkhitaryan, it's quite strange because Bellerin played so, so well. And I was actually, I think, uh, around about game week two or three, I was kind of not, I wouldn't say reluctantly, I'm trying to find the right word. I was lightly recommending Bellerin because he looked like a real big attacking threat. And my only caveat was that uh, Arsenal don't really look like they're going to keep clean sheets. But if he's getting lots of attacking points at sort of 5.5, 5.4, that's a good price. But without Mkhitaryan in the team, he just isn't getting forward as much. And Ramsey and Ozil have started the last few games. And Ramsey's been so bad. Like, I don't know what it's going to take for Emery to drop him. So what I'm, I'm doing is I'm anticipating that Emery will drop him this week because he was so bad against Newcastle. And I'm keeping Mkhitaryan for one more week. You said that last week. I may well have, but I got away with it. And my team still did okay with him. So I'm going to risk it. But but this is the thing, right? Everton last year, it was... Uh, this was at Goodison Park, but it was when we just signed Mkhitaryan and Aubameyang. They absolutely tore Everton to shreds. I think we won 5-1 in the end. And I think it was a goal on his debut for Aubameyang. May have got an assist as well. And Mkhitaryan got like three assists. So I don't know if if Emery's the kind of guy who's going to look at that match and be like, oh, maybe I'll just play them again. Because obviously the situation is very different at Everton now. But I just want to I want to keep it for one more because I, I'm very much preaching patience at the moment. I mean, Fraser is a shining example. You make that transfer of Fraser out. Loads of people did it on their wild card. He scored 18 points. Yeah. I only, I only give Mkhitaryan one more week, especially knowing that Emery could do anything with his lineup, And yeah, how do you feel about it? You, I imagine you're desperate to get rid. Yeah, I don't want to make a transfer this week, though. So <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, but it's a situation in my squad. Personally, it's awkward because Ings can't play against Liverpool, which I didn't realise he was still owned by them. I thought he was a fully transfer situation. It's not true. Did he not go up in price yesterday as well? And Ings, it was like, yeah. <laughs> but he can't play the next game I know there will be a lot of people that really re- really want to get rid of Mkhitaryan um, I kind of can't blame them and I am taking a risk and I would say main, the main reason I'm doing it this week is because I don't actually have an issue with the rest of my team mm-hmm. like I played a, four, uh, a 5-4-1 this week yeah I'm getting Jimenez off the bench because Mendy didn't play but I'm kind of okay with it because I, I like the players I've got and I feel quite good about the chances of sort of a good number of them returning. So I don't mind Mkhitaryan potentially getting a one-pointer or potentially getting a six, seven-pointer or, or higher. But there is quite an obvious transfer you could make, which would be to go to Richarlison, who is oh, yeah. playing in that same game, who's going to be unbanned and is now 6.6. So if you don't, if you haven't kept him all this time, he could be kind of a good one to go for. 
And the thing we know about him is, well, first thing we know, Arsenal's defence is looking quite bad, as is Everton's, I'd like to say. But he's, yeah, he's dropped a lot in price and we know he'll start. We know he'll play the 90 minutes. Yeah. So if you if you kind of want to play those percentages, I think you're more likely to get a two-pointer from him than you are from Mkhitaryan. But it's kind of, your mileage may vary on who's actually going to do better out of the two. I think Arsenal playing at home, that gives them the slight edge. Yeah. And we've seen them win three games in a row now. So that, that is encouraging and that's got to be good for confidence. Whereas Everton have been a little bit lacklustre overall. Are there any other sort of good options? I guess Madison's another one, unless you already have him. I guess, I guess he's the next guy. So we're moving on to the dramatic evolution of the Ws, and that's the three W teams at the at the end of the league. Well, at the end of the league on day one. Uh, so we've got Watford, Wolves and West Ham, who have all stepped up a gear in recent times, admittedly in different ways. <laughs> so we'll start with Watford, who they lost their first game of the season against Man United, but they still look really quite encouraging in terms of um, FPL potential because they're so well-priced. So the two players that I picked out were Pereira and Dini because I thought from watching... um, This game was on TV, I watched the full thing, and I thought Dini and Pereira, they link up really well together. And it was quite encouraging watching, watching them, even though they didn't get a lot of chances because Man United basically fielded a load of big, tough men, uh, which is kind of... It's kind of the way that Watford play, actually. It's just getting loads of... Uh, you look at their midfield, like Capu, Ducore, uh, Dini, mm. uh, even guys like Holobas and Yanmat. They're quite mean, sort of rough players. And they did that against Spurs, where they just absolutely overpowered them. At 6.3 and 6.1 between those two, like those are such good prices. The only reason I don't have a guy like Dini is because I can't afford that in my front line at the moment. But when their fixtures get... Good. And even against... Um, they're playing Fulham next. Yeah. And Fulham are conceding goals for fun at the moment. Yeah, like, I think that game will just be goals. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like Mitrovic, uh, Dini, Pereira, all good shouts. The only guy I'd be a little bit reluctant to get from these lot, and I, I kind of picked out Holobas because he's the, the, popular, the popular choice. He's gone up to 4.8 already. I know a lot of people have him because his his great returns, but almost all of his returns have come from goals and assists. So he's uh, he's had one clean sheet in five. And he's had four assists and one goal in five. Yeah. Those figures are ridiculous for a left-back. Um, also remember that his goal was actually a, an attempted cross that just went in. Oh, yeah, 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 it was mad. So I think his price is good, but Watford are conceding a fair few goals. They're, they're dropping a goal a game. And that would have me... Not worried, but I, I just think there are better options um, for teams that are more likely to keep clean sheets. And I don't want to be relying on him to get an assist every single game because that's yeah. just, it's too much. Uh, but you could you could bench him, you know, if you're if you're that kind of player. It's the yellow cards as well still. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's on three already, isn't he? Yeah, Kapu's on four. So Kapu gets one more yellow card before the end of December. And um, he's, got, <laughs> he's got a one-game ban. So that seems likely. I, that is just brilliant from Kapu. That brings me on to a good point, actually. Watford, if they lose one of those players, one of those big sort of tough guys in their lineup, I think they may struggle a bit more because they're playing such a unique brand of football at the moment where it's it's about sort of pressing and getting in the face of the opposition and uh, 
playing with a lot of pace. But if they lose a guy like Kapu for a few games, who's you know big and tough, like who do they replace him with? I would hope it's Chalabar. I just don't know if he can. I don't know if he's ready to step in and and play that style of football quite so uh, comfortably as Kapu is at the moment. But we'll see. Uh, so Wolves also have seen continued improvement. <laughs> Particularly in this last game, they had 30 shots to Burnley's seven. Uh, so the standout performer in this game was uh, Doherty, who actually I'd seen him a lot on, on the Reddit, uh, the subreddit, people talking about this guy, being like, oh, he bombs for the attack zones. And I've got to admit, I hadn't really noticed it because I hadn't been paying full attention to Wolves. Uh, like, I've been semi-impressed with them, but this was the first game when I really, really saw how good they could be. And against our, our Burnley, who we were hoping were kind of up their game a little bit after the international break. They just look lost out there. But it is, uh, is a worry for them at the moment. But Doherty, 4.4, is an amazing prize for a starting right-back who gets forward as much as him. And he even had a chance to score right near the end as well. He was put through by, um, by Jimenez, which obviously I was screaming at the TV, being like, yes, Doherty, score! Because then I would have got a sweet Jimenez assist off the bench as well, but he, he didn't. He missed that chance. Uh, but yeah, he walked away with the, the three bonus points, a clean sheet and an assist. And uh, Jimenez also at 5.5 is just pure value. I mean, I was very, very pleased because he was one of the, the players that I was quite doubtful about getting him in on my wildcard. I was thinking that if I had built my defence how like I normally do, where I don't have a load of expensive um, defenders from top six teams. Yeah. Because usually I just go for cheap guys in defence because that's what I'm into. Then, yeah, I reckon Doherty would probably be up there. And who's the other lad? Bennett. Uh, Bennett, he's 4.1, yeah. Yeah, him, them, those men. I'd probably put them in, yeah. Uh, the the thing that makes Doherty appealing to me is that just getting forwards. Uh, and at 4.4, it's a crazy good price because... Bennett, to me, is one of those that he's a great price. And if he continues to start, yeah, that's cool. But I have a problem with uh, with having a guy that cheap if there's another guy for 0.3 more in the same team yeah. that has potential for assists and goals. The best comparison I could make for Doherty is he's, he's playing just like Andy Robertson does for Liverpool. Yeah, so he has been showing some really impressive form. And the only... Uh, the only thing I, I would say is this is probably not the week, unless you just want to avoid that potential price rise. Uh, I, I haven't actually looked at FPR statistics, but he plays Man United away from home next. And I don't think he's going to keep a clean sheet in that game. I think Man United have sort of steadied the ship, so to speak. So mm. probably avoid for one more week. But Jimenez still looks amazing value for me. And if you're you're looking for that cheap starter... He's probably the, the best one outside of Ings, and Ings isn't playing next week. Right, mm. and uh, last but not least, it's the West Ham boys. So Arnautovic is the big talking point. Goal and yeah. assist. Another very good performance. Question mark over whether he'll be fit for next week, so Ben Dinner is your man for that. But if you had Arnautovic, would you keep him? They, they face Chelsea next. Yeah, definitely. Um, because why not? And Man United after that. They're both at home, though. Yeah, I probably would. Um, because who... Uh, up, if I didn't have Mitrovic. Yeah. Because other than... So if I had Mitrovic and Arnautovic and someone else, 
I would probably I would keep Anasovich because where else are you gonna go really? Like to Zaha. Hmm. I, I've hmm. seen some people saying they're doing that because it's not a like it's not a it's not a bad move at all. Yeah. But I don't know if I'd bother. Well, just to touch on that, Palace have Newcastle at home, Bournemouth away, and then Wolves at home. West Ham have Chelsea at home, Man United yeah. at home, Brighton away, and then Spurs at home. <laughs> so there's three yeah. home games out of four. But the thing is, like none of these top teams, uh, Chelsea, Man United and Spurs, look very convincing defensively at the moment. So yeah. I actually think there's a strong argument to, to keep Arnautovic because he's shown, he showed it last year under Moyes, who's much more defensive manager, that he can score goals in the big games. And Pellegrini, if he plays that front three, um, Yarmolenko, Felipe Anderson, who looked brilliant, uh, I wouldn't recommend Felipe Anderson because he doesn't look like... He's he's 6.9, so 0.1 cheaper than Arnautovic in a midfielder. But he doesn't look like his his game is going to convert into a lot of returns just yet. Uh, Yarmolenko is famed for being inconsistent. And uh, he's also 7.0 or 6.9, I think. But Arnautovic, if he's playing well with those two... I think he could be in for a really good season. And I'm actually a little bit gutted that I don't have him at the moment. Um, The only question, like I say, is that that injury, is that going to keep him out for the weekend? Because that could sort of force your hand a little bit. (laughs) Elsewhere with West Ham, probably don't touch. No, I'm quite intrigued by Yarmolenko, though. Yeah. That's all I have to say on the matter, but... uh... (laughs) Yeah, wait wait and see on him, man. Oh, yeah, I'm not getting him in right now. Yeah. But... I was interested. Yeah, he, he played a really good game, actually. So uh, let's go on to our little, little any other business section. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we have some quick thoughts on a, on a couple of teams that we haven't really touched on properly. So uh, Crystal Palace, how do you feel about them fine. going Absolutely. forward? Absolutely fine. Right, because I, <laughs> Is I that don't... Is you were looking for? No. <laughs> um, it was a leading question. You didn't follow my lead. But it's okay, because I think um, Matey Boy, uh, manager of Huddersfield, after the match was coming out Wagner. and saying... Wagner, yeah, that's the one I'm looking for. He was coming out and saying that he thought that they really should have won that game. And I have to agree with him, man. Like, Moy hitting the post. I, and now I can't recall because I'm like two days removed from watching the highlights. But I feel like there were so many chances for Huddersfield and they just didn't make the most of them particularly that one where Moy hit the post because Hennessy was just planted on the ground. I thought they rode their luck big time and I had two Palace defenders in my team. And this is the reason I'm getting rid of one of those Palace defenders because if you're giving away that many chances against Huddersfield, I have a lot of worries. Uh, they play Newcastle next at home. I know Newcastle don't score a lot, but that does feel like the kind of game that they could get something out of. So I think Zaha is the only one I'd feel comfortable with keeping. But he seems to be getting a yellow card every game. And Yeah, that that was going to be my only take about Zaha is his yellow cards. It's, uh, he came out off the game, didn't he, saying that he felt targeted and that, that a player's going to have to break his leg to get a red card, which, to be fair, I, I kind of agree with him. He gets some nasty challenges and players get away with it. Liverpool wanted to touch on as well. Um, the big question over them is the Champions League rotation. I did do a little bit of research uh, mm-hmm. looking at last year. And to be honest, I think we're just overthinking all of this. If you like <laughs> Liverpool as a team, you, you kind of just have to have to roll with the punches because they are going to be one of the best two 
two teams in the league, no doubt about it in my mind. There may be rotation. They have a bigger squad than last year. If you look at last year, you'll see that they made a lot of defensive rotation around this period, but Mane, Salah and Firmino played every game they're available for. Mane missed a lot of games because of his red card and an injury that kept him out for about four weeks. But Salah and Firmino started every game. And the problem I'd have with the idea of Salah or Firmino being dropped is Liverpool just look a a much less quality side when those players come out. I don't know, it's kind of risky on Klopp's part if he does want to win the league. But they do have players like Shaqiri who can come in and he's a... Obviously, a super talented player. I also think their defense looks strong enough to to perform well against all these like tricky fixtures that are coming up, are coming up against. Trent Alexander Arnold 5.0 looks like he is nailed after like week one of me kind of semi dismissing yeah. your Liverpool guy. <laughs> He's been go. really good, and he actually got the clean sheet points this week because he came off before the 90th oh, yeah. minute where they uh, conceded the goal. Uh, but no, I think he was one of the players I was looking at, potentially switching um, Pereira for him. The one other thing I mean, uh, I noticed in the game was just Mane and Salah, like Mane in particular, making bad decisions again and again. Uh, that's enough about them anyway. Um, and you've got a few boys you want to big up, yeah. right? Yeah, well... <laughs> you want to reluctantly <laughs> give faint Some praise. Time to. Yeah, yeah. So we've got Danny Ward for Cardiff. He's a midfielder. He's 4.5. He was previously injured. He's now no longer injured. And he is playing up front further forward than Bobby Reid, who is Cardiff's striker. So is this like, he's like the Cardiff Mo Salah? Yes, (laughs) um, but cheap. Uh, Yeah, 4.5. May or may may not score goals. (laughs) Um, But look, it's just an option there. I think it's... And Warnock was really hype about him last week, saying that it was like they had a new player in the squad because he's been out for so long. Wow. Um, What else have we got going? Vorm. So Lloris is out for like five weeks, five, six weeks. Yeah, is he actually injured or are they just... Is this his punishment for drink driving? Maybe. It doesn't matter, but yeah. Anyway, so he's not expected back until October. So Vorm is in. Vorm, terrible. Just get Gazaniga in. I don't know what Pochettino's doing over there. (laughs) But anyway, Vorm has been awful. So they... Spurs have, like, relatively easy fixtures... Um, coming up and I am very hype for these like teams who are typically lower down the league to just go absolutely mad versus Spurs so Brighton, Huddersfield, Cardiff in the next three see this is when you want Danny Ward for game week eight get Danny Ward have him on versus Spurs versus Vorm excellent (laughs) excellent content the the one uh yeah, I guess you're right there. Just just get all of the players that are playing Spurs. Because they have conceded a ridiculous amount of shots. 47 shots conceded in the last three games and 18 on target, including 10 shots on target conceded at home against Liverpool. That's not good. That's not a good look for Spurs. What is a shot conceded that doesn't go in the goal? Uh, it just means you're allowing those shots on your goal, essentially. Oh, OK. Yeah, so... The the shots on target stat in particular is the worrying one because 
Shots off target, not really a big deal. It it yeah. kind of implies that you're making, uh, you're defending well enough to to make the shots go wide. But mm. yeah, ten on target for Liverpool in one game, in a game that they didn't play particularly well in because they kept making awful decisions. That's quite a worry for Spurs, and we've seen this coming for a little while now. So the defense is looking very shaky. And finally, Lukaku. I don't know in what world you'd be able to get Lukaku in your team. It'd be if you didn't have Aguero. Yeah. And then you were doing something else with Man City in midfield. So maybe if you had David Silva and then you didn't want Aguero as well or you didn't need Aguero as well. Lukaku is, seems to be coming an option again. Uh, yeah, I, I would say there's a couple of unique sort of scenarios. So Lukaku, what we do know is that he'll play pretty much every game, even though... Mm. Man United in the Champions League. You just can't always guarantee that with a guy like Aguero. If Aguero is injured, then Lukaku becomes even more attractive. And the other example is if you um, if you aren't particularly keen on Aubameyang, uh, say oh, yeah. say you have him already and you want to get rid, uh, you may have to make up 0.1 if you don't have any money in the bank, but it's, it's an option. Uh, and that just reminds me, the one player I forgot to mention was Lacazette, 9.4. I think he's a genuine contender now uh him and Firmino both because a 9.4 in top teams they can become enablers if you're willing to get rid of one of these 11 sort of 11 million plus attackers yeah and it seems the way forward so far this season is all about midfield here's how you here's how what you do if you want Hazard downgrade your 11 million forward to Lacazette or Firmino yeah and then you've got two extra million yeah. to up someone to Hazard in your midfield. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. If you've got Aguero, it's almost almost a full two million, isn't it? Because I think he's 11.4 now. So you yeah. get 11.2 back. Um, but yeah, like that's, that's a, a genuine option. And I think with Aubameyang sort of underperforming so far, I'm keeping him again for another week because going at Aubameyang to Lacazette would just be a weird sort of move to yeah. make at this point. Um, and I want to roll one of my transfers. But yeah, they, uh, they are cool options. And I think that could, you could see more people sort of going for these like nine, nine-ish million priced attackers. All right. Shall we do a little rundown of the Denalysis Domestic? Do you have this to hand? I like the idea of shouting out the top scorer of each game week because it's nice. Because then it's not necessarily the person who's in first place. Um... And it's nice because you can literally be in like 40th place and you can be the top scorer in the league. The problem this week is that um, Andrew McKinnon is not only top of the league, but also top scorer. So just after we stopped recording yesterday, Matt tweeted us a really good question. Luckily for everybody, Dan is completely incompetent and lost his last 15 minutes of recording. So I'm here to round us all off. Nat, your question was, how to get the best use of your bench? Any tactics, how much to spend on subs, etc. After the Mendy no-show, I think I need some advice. I actually had this in my notes for us to cover in the episode and I completely forgot. So I think it's really important to have a bench of players who do start. Um, Even if they're just two-pointers, it's just like a cushion and a comfort knowing that a player is going to come in if, like Mendy did, didn't play. So my squad at the moment 
for keepers, I really like to have two that can rotate, so like two 4.5 keepers that rotate. Generally, I have one that I use most of the time. So for the last two seasons, I had Heaton and then Pope, and they would be my mainstay. And then I'd switch them around if they had a really awful fixture coming up. But this season, there isn't that Burnley mainstay because Joe Hart. So I am switching between, currently switching between Foster and McCarthy, which may or may not work out for me. So then I always have a bench keeper who is who will play. The rest of my team is really balanced through each position. So I have a, an expensive striker in Aguero, but then two far cheaper strikers, both who start in Ings and Mitrovic, but both who can easily just sit on the bench if I need them to. And my midfield is really, yeah, I guess balance is the right word. So I've got Salah and Hazard, then Mkhitaryan and Madison in the middle, and then Billing as my bench midfielder but he does start every game and then defenders as I've mentioned before I've gone all out with two expensive defenders in Robertson and Mendy this year but I also have me Duncan Wambasaka Duncan Wambasaka and me really are the three that I can choose and rotate between every week so it's balance and rotation for me is how you work out your bench but then the players that I typically have on my bench don't cost more than 4.5. So I don't think it's unreasonable to have an entire bench of players who start even. Whereas Dan, he um, has the same rotating goalkeepers as me this year, but he has two players, his third striker and his fifth midfielder aren't players who start. They're just cheap players that enable him to do other bits elsewhere. I would be wary of this just because if players don't play like Mendy luckily he had Jimenez coming in this week but on any other occasion it could have been a very different story so I think it's depending on what your team is like it's not hard at all to kind of make a little bit of money um spare like by downgrading a a 5 million defender to a 4.5 and then having a little bit more cash to spend on cheap players who do start Huddersfield midfield for billing and there's another guy as well god knows what he's called 4.5s who do start and it's just a nice cushion to have there if you need them so our preview I hate doing the preview it's my least favorite part of the show because I have no idea what's going on but here we are so our 12 30 kickoff this week is Fulham Watford don't captain, you know the rules. Don't captain in the in the twelve uh, thirty kickoff. Dan did and didn't turn out pretty for him, did it? Joker. We're expecting some goals in this game. That'd be nice. Uh, I hope that Mitrovic will get a get one or two. And Watford, obviously, great form. Would assume that they'd be up for some goals given Fulham's defensive situation. So many three o'clocks because there's no Monday fixture this week because there is Carabao Cup back next week. So of the three o'clocks, I mean, Bournemouth looked like they might do Burnley in, uh, which would be great for Burnley again. Man City will probably have a nice time against Cardiff, although I do reckon that Cardiff will probably get a goal here. I think they can do it. Dan's quite hype on Newcastle against Palace, but I reckon Palace at home can stand their ground. Leicester against Huddersfield. Dan says that Madison will be good to have for this game. But who knows what Huddersfield can do against a Leicester defence. Liverpool could look very good against Southampton. 
Man United and Wolves is an interesting one. Uh, who knows which way that will go. Then the 5.30 is Brighton versus Spurs. I'm really looking forward to Brighton against Form. Um, Brighton at home as well. I think it'll be a good one. Then on Sunday, West Ham versus Chelsea and Arsenal versus Everton. Hazard against West Ham is the obvious captain pick, I think, on, on Sunday especially. But it's definitely not a crazy idea to captain Aubameyang. I think he's a really good differential. Or Lacazette, if you have him, but I don't really think anyone does. But either of those two, I think, are really great options to catch to to caption to captain against Everton. Because um, I don't think anyone else will, but I think they're great. There's great differential captain options there. Sorry I've rushed through this. I just get nervous. One time Dan left me alone with the preview and I killed off all the Arsenal players or something, I don't recall. So... Thanks for listening. Um, We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, great. Please subscribe to The Denalysis on whatever podcast app you use. If you could review and rate us on the app app that you use as well, that would be great. We'd be so appreciative. Of course, you can get at us anytime, any place on Twitter at The Denalysis and via email, hello at thedenalysis.com. And if you haven't joined the Denalysis Domestic yet, our mini league, there's a link in the description. No. Well, I might put a link, but it'll probably just be the code. So there's the code in the description below. Join that. It's nice. We're not doing very well. I think I'm currently 35th. I might give a prize to the lowest active team at the end of the season. I might not. I don't want to make any promises. But it's a thing that could happen. Um, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see see you again we'll probably be back next monday night and we'll hopefully we'll record on sunday so the next episode should be up monday night hope that suits bye